Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode hello hello welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast peter how's it going it's going well yeah i was out at a coaching course uh which was nice over the last weekend to be back out uh sort of working with other coaches so this was a sort of getting coaches certified and recertified type weekend so it was great coaching coaching coaches about coaching a little bit a little bit yeah yeah but i mean my favorite part of it honestly is not that i'm guiding anyone in any miraculous way but more that you're sort of just practicing coaching and i think that's sometimes we don't get enough you know time to sort of stumble through and try new things or share ideas or tactics or just see other really sit there and and watch other coaches and be like oh okay i like that you know i like how they did that so it's 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 fun i'm happy to be back doing that yeah, and I mean, we have missed out on a lot of that in-person stuff for the last couple of years. I was actually just talking to someone about how we've been doing our every Friday morning for coaching clients. We do our virtual yoga sessions on Friday mornings. And someone was like, oh, like, you know, do, do you have any plans to like, do that in person now? And obviously, no, because our clients are sort of scattered throughout the world or at least North America, the ones who are showing up for 7 a.m. Fridays. Um, but I was saying I'm so glad that we've had that because I feel like that's kept my yoga teaching muscles uh, st- still kicking over the past couple of years. For sure. That's often what's missing, right? As we do these, I mean, yoga teacher training would be the classic. You do the certification, but then you never actually get to teach. Well, and I know a lot of people in my certification course, like didn't go right into teaching, but I think I was teaching the, the day after my last, uh, well, how does that work? Cause it also is like a hours. How do the hours you have to teach though for a number of hours with yoga? No, you have to go to certain classes. And like oh, observe and so then it's, you've spent so between the course and your going to yoga you spend whatever number of hours yeah 300 200 i uh, think 200 but some of that could be like practice teaching or or something too that wouldn't count for the course but you oh, were, okay. it was recommended you do some practice teaching if possible oh oh so the 750 is actually the time in the course then uh, plus a little bit of like attending yoga classes yeah okay yeah. okay well that's an aside about getting a yoga teacher mm-hmm. certification uh but yeah that's the idea then and then taking that next step is always the problem so you see now in coaching courses they're trying to add a bit of a like goal setting or you know in the next three years what are you going to try and do to practice coaching but it's definitely the tough part is getting out there and actually doing it a hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say like I was not stressed at all during all of yoga teacher training, but then like the first few classes I taught were absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. And probably true of even just sport, right? It's sometimes mm-hmm. we can watch a lot of videos, but you have to get out there and actually practice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in that direction, I'm excited for today's episode. We have Jeff Kabush, who's always been someone I've looked up to in mountain bike racing uh, and how he just carried himself as an athlete, I think. So we've had Jeff on, I think it was two more times. We'll uh, link to those past episodes. Yeah. Jeff is a former Olympian or current Olympian. I don't know if you're allowed to say former. I don't former think cu- current's probably overselling. Current's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
anyway, Jeff has been to the Olympics a couple times for mountain biking. He's been actually, it's funny. I was working on an article for Canadian cycling magazine about, uh, sort of the history of cross country in Canada. Uh, and we have a 25 year anniversary of hardwood Hills hosting nationals happening this summer. So I was looking back at the 1997 nationals, uh, results and to see little, little Jeff Kabush, I think, I think he was like 20 years old. Um, I think he finished like 12th in the elite rate, maybe seventh in the elite, seventh or 12th. I apologize if I kept him out of the top 10 in that. Um, I believe Roland Green won the uh, elite sure. U23 category that yeah, year. Yeah, back in the glory days. Yeah, it, it's a really, it's a fun, I'm excited about this article. So if you're in Canada, make sure you pick up the, the Canadian cycling issue that has that particular article in it. For sure. So World Cup winner uh, for mountain biking. And then also just, he's been now racing. Molly said he was 20. Now he's into his 40s. And we're still seeing, he just was at the Cactus Cup just before we recorded this in 2022, spring of 2022. And I think he was on a couple of the, at least the wide angle podiums uh, against some of our youngest and you know most hopeful athletes here. So he's still in there, still a really fun athlete to watch. And what I've always, one of the things I've always sort of looked up to Jeff about is his interest. He's an engineer. He's gone to school for, you know, he is an engineer. Uh, so his interest in the the tech, the me- he's a very good technical rider, but also the mechanical uh, stuff that he gets into. So I've always just tried to wait and Jeff tests it and then eventually <laughs> tells everyone about it. And okay, well, that's the tire you want to use. Uh, so we talked today about tires, tire plugging and tire inserts. So it's a little bit of a technical episode, but I think there's some clear, this is the tire to use <laughs> if you just want someone to tell you what to use, uh, but also a little bit of background on how to choose different things. And we talk about practicing, this relates to our intro, uh, things like tire plugging, which is a, a newer way, we'll say, for cyclists at least, to fix a flat or at least nurse a flat to a tech zone or to get home. So a lot of times we don't practice this. So we talk a little bit about how you would actually practice plugging a tire before the big race day when you need to you know, nurse it to the finish line or nurse it to the tech zone. Love it. Okay. Well, without further ado, let's, uh, let's get nerdy about tires with Jeff Kabush. Enjoy. All right. We're back. We have Jeff Kabush. He has returned. I think this might be the third time. Do you agree with that? At least once. I remember <laughs> er, right. er, early COVID. I remember. Yeah. Oh, it, it might have been podcast. longer. I think you, you're forgetting one maybe. Okay. Yeah, time stretches time. out been, okay. been around for a while i guess okay <laughs> well both of us two to three times jeff kabush has been on the consummate athlete podcast and i thought i'd have him back because i am very concerned that i need to learn more about uh tires generally but tire inserts specifically so did you want to start with tire inserts today jeff and, and sort of just talk us through what they are and, and what i need to know yeah it's been i think for me especially i mean all different tech on the bikes has its place in different terrain, but it's certainly uh, been kind of game changing for me in certain circumstances, kind of like when we first um, got tubeless tires, the ability to drop pressure and increase performance is pretty significant in certain places. And yeah, disclaimer, I've been working with which Kushkor now, which is the the first one I was kind of curious to try out. Um, and I haven't had the, the chance to try too many, but for sure it's um, been pre- pretty significant chance. I mean, you'll hear nightmare stories about um, core installs, which comes mostly from the gravity side with really stiff mountain bike tire casings and the, the bigger core DH, which is challenging unless you follow instructions. It's pretty simple, but I've been experimenting more with the uh, 
Kushcore XC, which is a new product, and then Kushcore Gravel, which as you move to like the lighter tires and the inserts, I think it's more significant, the game change. I mean, on the gravel side, I went from with 40C tires kind of running, you know, in the mid 30 PSIs. And now I, I ride my gravel bike with 22, 23 PSI. And man, the, the increase in comfort, let alone the performance with the, the extra traction is pretty significant. I think I, I first tried the mountain bike that came out with the mountain bike insert, probably, I want to say just the year I'd lasted Downeyville, so pre-COVID and I kind of, or a year before that, 2018, 2019. And at first I wasn't, uh, got a chance to try it. And then actually Felix Burke was running them at, at BCBR and won the race. And I was kind of thought. I remember you were, you were grumpy about that. Well, he was, uh, he was stiff competition, hard to, hard to find a weakness in that, that kid. So we had a good battle and I went back and decided like, Oh, I better take a closer look at these inserts and test them out a bit more. And, um, I was down in the Sierras around Truckee Tahoe. And I think that's one of the terrain like areas where it's probably most advantaged down there. It's pretty loose and rocky. And yeah, it was pretty dramatic, uh, riding down there. I was able to drop, I mean, I'm 170 pounds, 75 kilos, 76 kilos. I was able to drop my pressures down to 18, 18 and a half PSI with a Which light X, XC wild. tire. This is and what get, like small, like cadet girls would be running this often, right? Like, you know, very yeah. tiny, tiny people. It is dropped now with the higher volume XC tires, but I mean, Downeyville is uh, known as quite a rocky event where people run bigger tires. But the biggest thing I was able to run light cross country tires at low pressure. And man, like I was uh, almost kind of giggling the first time I was riding Downeyville because I was running these like small tires with cush core and man, the, the comfort and traction being able to, one of the benefits of the, the cush core insert is like the sidewall support. So you can drop the pressure, but still have the sidewall support, which you'll see in more gravity casings, stiffer sidewalls. So you sure. can corner a bit harder. So as you could run the low pressure, but still get up and set up for these, these loose corners. And I wonder, like we both love, you love your Maxxis one. And I, there's a Bontrager similar, uh, just like, it's like a tube for a tire. Like it's so light yours. What is it called? The max light? Yeah. They discontinued that. Okay. One. Sorry about that. Bontrager <laughs> makes a great one. It's called the uh, 29 zero, I think, but it's, it's like so fast, so light, but then the sidewalls are so thin that you feel like you're just peeling it. So then I always felt like I had to run more pressure. So do you think that it would make those tires usable then? Yeah. Well, that's where, I mean, yeah, not all the inserts, uh, support the sidewall. I think there might be another one Tannis that supports a little bit, but okay. the Kush core is a bit heavier, but that's one of the benefits. It supports the sidewall. So the max lights, I still have, you know, my little stash stash in the garage. You're, you're 26 for the days you ride 26. Well, no, I got, they made the 29, but, um, yeah, actually last year I did the, the XC race out in Soho, Utah. I was like, man, this is, I can ride this on max lights. So I ran the max lights, but just a bit more security. I ran the, the Kush core in the rear. So it, I could still, I mean, I could run that crazy thin, thin super light tire at, I don't know, 20 PSI hmm. and hmm. still have the, the security uh, running at that low and the support to still corner so hard enough. Th- you mentioned gravel and running, you said like, 
in the in the twenties. And I imagine some gravel folks, you know, your forty C tire, so your standard gravel tire, pretty much. Um, that just yeah. seems really low. Like, do you not like? Would you race at that? Uh, depending on the course, I guess. But would you race that low? Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I started out. Uh, yeah, I went from mid thirties and started with the tire inserts around. 27 28 and like i was rimming out every once in a while but it's uh i mean there's quite a bit of protection and like i was talking to carl decker another old guy who's into Mm -hmm. the tech and he's he was running super low and had some friends i was like well i should try dropping a bit low and i kind of yeah set for my weight i kind of settled around 22 23 and yeah it's okay to to rim out what about like climbing on the road don't you find the front wheel like just feels odd or maybe that's just feeling and it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it gets, if there's a, a ton of tarmac, then I maybe keep it up mid twenties, but yeah, it depends on how strictly sure. off strictly off road it is and how, how rough it is. Like there's certain instances, like from a ride perspective, like I'll run it everywhere all the time, tire inserts, but like say a kind of a groomed gravel race, like uh SBT gravel, which is much more like smooth roads. And I'm trying to keep up with, you know, pro tour. Yeah. Watts per kilo. I'll, uh, maybe run just, you know, the regular 40 C tires where it's, um, performance and comfort, um, isn't as uh, big a priority, but for general riding, um, man, it really increases the bandwidth, but yeah, it depends on okay. the diversity of the ride. Your you don't have to go too deep on this, but when you test this, so you get these tire inserts, you're like, okay, I need to use them. What's, what's like the framework? Like, are you, do you write out like a spreadsheet or how are you, or is it just very much by feel? Are you like tire pressure gauge, like throughout the ride? And what's that look like when you, you know, just got them? What do you do? I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm every ride I'm using the tire pressure gauge. Like, Thank you for man, saying that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can get a bit feel, but like, man, it makes such a huge difference. I mean, I think people, I mean, from the tires perspective, I mean, the tread's kind of the last thing I look at. So it's really important, the pressure, the construction of a tire and the rubber. And so like, yeah, I mean, I'm always checking pressure and then, yeah, I mean, it's some by feel, but I'm, yeah, gradually changing pressures and seeing what I can get away with checking the durability. And I mean, on the, like during COVID, I was doing some testing back to back, kind of getting a feeling for um, the new technology in cross country is, you know, uh, wide XC 2.4 tires on wider rims, 30 mil rims. So I was getting a feel for 2.4 tires, 30 mil rims versus like it was kind of old standard 225 tires on a narrow rim with push core and kind of getting a feel kind of two pathways to lower pressure on XC bikes. And I mean, lower pressure is more efficient. So it rolls over. And so I was doing back-to-back testing and just checking the durability of either way on natural trails and smoother trails and getting a feel for what was, I did some, did some timing, some, which was faster and which was most durable and what pressures I could drop to until I kind of lost the. And then are you recording it though? Like how, how are you keeping this all straight? Uh, I know it's, I know it's what you do, but yeah, I mean, I just make notes uh for sure i got like do you have a jeff kabush like notebook uh digital for sure okay um like just quick phone note like today i rode this or something like that like this pressure this tire 
Yeah, I mean, I keep a lot of info up in my brain. I mean, I do specific testing um, with Maxis quite often. Just uh, the other week doing some gravel testing where I'll do a specific loop and the engineers want a bit more info on the spreadsheets with the GPX of the file and um, all the specific performance criteria that we sure. analyze and I'll do back to back to back to back testing switching. So you could you could get tires. a loop. This is, I think, useful. So you're, you'd like get a loop that takes you half an hour or something, and you'd ride at you know 200 watts or whatever, and you'd get around the loop, and then swap depends it. it. Yeah, it depends on what um what I'm testing. A lot of it's for performance, feel, and cornering. So I'm not necessarily keeping the power steady. And I mean, we're looking at such small differences. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I was doing the XC tires, I did more of a a down country trail that was kind of 15 minutes and just um, how safe ride, did you ride, feel? Did you end ride, up in the forest? Well, riding it as fast, fast as I could. Yeah. And just getting a feel and kind of analyzing some of the segments uh, on Strava. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Well, let me put this to you a different way. Let's say someone's doing Unbound, you know, master's rider, only so much time. They're going to do either the Maxis Rambler or their whatever. Is there another Maxis tire we could choose? Well, there it's all about durability. So it's uh, how okay. uh, the, the max, the toughest tire is the, uh, the refuse, which is, uh, a dead feeling tire, but man, out and unbound, it's all about durability for sure. So going back, that's what you would use. Cause you did use a Rambler, I think. Yeah, it's a man, it's a unique race. Uh, I might ride the Rambler and the, the, the Rambler tough. wins. I, I always go with it because it seemed to have gotten to the finish line a lot of times. Like who cares about sponsorship? Like it, it got to the finish line. Yeah, the tougher, the 60 TPI version of the Rambler would probably be my general recommendation. I think especially too, as speeds come down, right? Like I think when you're at the front of the race and you're in a group maybe and you're plowing stuff, do you think that it's, you probably get away with more, the slower the speed? Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot about comfort. So uh, that's where like I might run the, I would most likely run the the Kushcore. Um, I know boswell did last year just really i mean at the end of the race it's just i mean yeah it's because he it's could perform- run lower performance. lower and then maybe that even helps with not some of these sharp rocks not puncturing perhaps too yeah dropping the pressure isn't just comfort but out Conforms. there it's not so much pinch flats it's more these super razor sharp rocks cutting the sidewall so the higher pressure you're gonna have more tension in the sidewall and easier to kind of okay. you know cut slice so dropping the pressure gives a little more conformity to the sidewall. So that hopefully lessens the, the sidewall cuts. But, okay. Um, okay. So, I mean, I think a lot of it comes back to using your Maxis ramblers and making sure that the, you know, you don't flat and you know how they all work and. Well, and yeah, practicing, practicing plugging because um, yeah. Okay. Well, that was our other topic then. Good segue. <laughs> so how do we practice plugging? Cause that's, I have them and I, I've definitely used them a couple of times. I've helped a couple of people, but do you have any tips? Like, did you just take like an old tire before you, you know, needed to swap it or how, how did you, how did you learn how to plug tires? Well, I mean, I've been riding enough. I mean, hardly flat, but yeah, if you haven't got a chance, it definitely is, is worthwhile. If you have an old tire that's been beat up a bit and you're going to throw to like, yeah, stab mm-hmm. it and, and practice a bit. Cause it's, yeah, you don't want to be figuring that out in the yeah. middle of the, the mile the can, 125. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay. Cause there are some little intricacies. I mean, you can watch some, some YouTube videos and the different, um, 
style of plugs have have a few different techniques but yeah oh there probably are videos i never even thought about that i guess that makes a lot of sense that's a good the the kids like you can watch people play with toys or different you know the side winner it's like similar you can be like oh watch this tire plug and yeah i mean i think like um like there's a bunch of different versions like i'm working with with withstands no tubes they have their dart tool which is the one nice thing is it like reacts with the with the stand sealant to kind of expand and fill it so but yeah, you want to. Now, are those Jeff, I see there's sort of two types, right? There's sort of like, I'm going to say bacon strips, which I probably shouldn't. That's probably t- trademark, but these like tiny ones that are more almost like a twist tie type size, maybe a bit bigger than a, a twist tie. And then there's these more like the, what is that company called? Well, there's Dynaplug. Yeah, there's Dyna. bacon strips, Dynaplug, uh, and Dart. So I don't know if there's. What's the stands one look like? It's uh, kind of like a feathered material. Um, like, I mean, they're all in like a pokey stick. It come, comes kind of in like in a pill looking capsule, okay. uh, reversible. So you have a couple in there and have some extras stored inside this kind of capsule and you take the lid off and. So it's sort of it like in. a di- Dyna plug, sort of like that too, but you're saying it's more like a pipe cleaner almost. Yeah. It looks like more, a little bit like, yeah, chimney cleaner, like a point, but then the kind of feathered okay. material that reacts with the stand sealant. But I think with all of them, same thing with the Dyna plug, you want to. Uh, practice inserting it down plug comes with different sizes um, thin, but for sure like with the down plug like key for me was like really kind of pushing smushing it in so it expands into the, the seal and out there it's a lot of like i said sidewall tears so sometimes you'd have to stack a couple the um, stand start quite is, is quite a bit of material so it cover a slash a bit more but like a down plug sometimes you got to shove a couple in there and smush them into for sidewall cut and almost like smearing with your thumb. Like they're, I guess for people who haven't seen them, like it's again, it's like a pipe cleaner sort of shape, I guess. I'm trying to think of a better way to describe sticky, it. Sticky. Yeah, it's like the down plug is a metal head with like a bit of a sticky rubber fabric. Thing. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so you would yeah. just like grab the tail once it's it, you've jammed it in the hole and then you have this sort of like snaky type thing hanging out and then you just smear that tail on with your thumb yeah kind of like push it to expand it same thing and then you got to make sure you want to rotate the wheel to the sealants on the bottom uh, especially with a dart tool to get the the sealant reacting with the, okay. the stand start material and yeah just with the bake the bacon strips as you called them yeah you got to make sure that you uh storage with those you want to keep them they can age a bit and lose some of their stickiness like sticky so and pasty. Um, yeah. Where are you going to store them on your, on your bike? And I mean, for me, like a uh, unique uh, with, with one up another company I work with, they make a pump and they, you could store uh, bacon strips on a little fork inside the pump. So it'd be kind of stored in a clean environment and you could just pull the, the EDC tool out of the pump with a bacon strip on the end a nice option out there to have a tool and pump and bacon strips all on your bike and And is that sorry was that hidden in the handlebar or where is that one is it hidden or it's just in your pack in the tool um one up makes a little attachment on their they have a their pump that has a tool a multi-tool inside and you can put uh extra pieces on the end even well co2 in there or yeah plug little plug fork with the bacon strip but um really yeah cool. just practice because it's uh almost inevitable inevitable almost everyone has some little incident even last time i was running the refuse which is the absolute 
stiffest, most durable tire. And I had a one tiny slow leak and still had to put a plug in, uh, out in Kansas last time I was out there. Mm-hmm. So, and then you ended up switching wheels, I think. Well, yeah, the last time I had, I don't know if the course still goes through there, but there's a gnarly, gnarly section, 25, 30 miles in. And I was trying to be careful, but had two or three flats before the first feed zone. And so, <laughs> so you did a bunch of pl- to, plugs and then you had wheels at the, uh, yeah, plugged and tubed eventually and made my way to the first. And then I was just, yeah, swapped wheels to the, the refuse, which was the most durable tire. I mean, I was mm. running, running 60 TPI velocities which are a slick tire and i think yeah the another thing that kind of helps in kansas is having some knobs on the tire like the rambler i mean the velocity was like a slick fairly durable tire but the knobs kind of keep the sharp knives from slashing across the the tire a bit you have to think some of them yeah were you just trying to get away with that and see if it would work no well i thought um I mean, I could handle it. And I thought the, you know, it was a, the 60 TPI version, which is the same kind of so, construct construction. So it was a durable construction, but mm. man, it's, I think it's just, a, it's a lottery out there for sure. Sometimes, <laughs> which is okay. frustrating we, if you prepare for it the whole, whole year. So 60 TPI, we, I think we might've actually talked about this the last time you're on, which we'll link to all those two, but so 60 PSI is like a really stiff tire. It's sort of like, I guess your sheets, your bed sheets. So the, it, the Egyptian cotton is this like high thread count. So it's same with tires, right? Yeah. So you'll see it's like I said, like thread count. So the higher the thread count, the more supple the tire is. So that's great for performance. Like you'll see on, on track, track tires are really nice road tires. They'll be high. high right. What about cyclocross? Like what about a tubular? Would you, can you say, is there a T that sort of Yeah. Thing? I mean, the really nice tubulars are really high thread count. So they're supple. So that's where you get a lot of really nice feel for the ground and performance. Cause it, um, it uh, moves with the ground and you can get good feel, but as well, it's like, yeah, less durable. So the, the lower, typically the lower the thread count, there's more, more things in the construction as well, but uh, like straight up, like a 120 TPI versus a 60 TPI tire, the, the thicker thread per counts are going to be a little more durable. So the 60 is more durable, but not as supple. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to lose a bit of performance, but uh, gain durability. So yeah, with Maxis, they have the yeah 120 TPI and uh, 60 TPI versions of most of their gravel tires. Okay. So you're thinking like Criterium Racing, you're probably going to look for the 120 something. Yeah. And like with Maxis, they make a special batch of team only tires that are 170 TPI for XC, which you can't oh. purchase, but um, they're harder to make and more expensive. That's why they don't uh, release them. Sure widely just like, but it, just like your egyptian cotton sheets it makes yeah. sense um okay now i'm thinking we, you mentioned the cross-country tires i wonder to finish off again i wanted to go really hard on tires for a short duration here so we're gonna try and do that so it does seem that like everything just always is like wider 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 right we used to, when you and i started it was probably like what was it 1.5 did you ever race 1.5 tires i had some like? one i think i won my first can of cup on like 185s or 19s at bromont <laughs> Right. So then what changed that now you're running 2.5s, 2.4s? I apologize. Well, I think we've, we learned that, um, yeah, lower pressure is path to performance. So yeah, rolling over the surface smoothly, um, is a bit more efficient. So yeah, those hard tires, hard skinny tires are fast and really smooth, but, uh, yeah, as you see on mountain bike, uh, lower pressure. So it's been looking for a path to, 
being able to run the lower pressure and probably tubeless tubeless and disc brakes are probably a big part too right like just the initial bikes we just couldn't you couldn't run a tire that big yeah i mean i think b technology for sure like when we first started running tubeless it was pretty sketchy because the the tire would blow off the wheel but uh standards have gotten a lot better with the like inner bead diameter matching up with the rim so more secure fit and uh dropping the pressure and i think i mean i feel like it's kind of a i found the 225s uh with cush core more durable than the 24 on a 30 mil rim on like natural rocky trails and mm-hmm. it's a balance if you're on smooth world cup trails and a bit on your your body size but we saw like with mountain bikes there's this big hype around plus size 2.8 tires but they really struggled to there's some benefits to the big 2.8 tires but the durability was was brutal to get it you know at a efficient weight and the durability so the 2.8 tires were a short-lived yeah even 2.4 2.4 i found are pretty heavy but i guess you can make them lighter but well that's where the yeah balancing that out uh, depends on on the course and i you think we're at a balance point though like you think it's somewhere in that 2.2.2.4 or like are we all racing fat bikes in a couple of years no well that's what i found like you give up some durability with the two fours, depending on what kind of train you're racing. Interesting. Cause um, I think I ran them. I tried twice now and I, f- I flatted <laughs> and I really, like I say, I don't flat that often, but I f- it's funny. Cause I flatted that thing very quickly. Yeah. And that's what I was. I mean, I was doing some testing in, in, um, the Tahoe area in Truckee where it's quite rocky, but I mean, yeah, I had three flats in about 20 hours, which is highly mm-hmm. unusual for me. It's high. Um, it's just, <laughs> no one's got um, budget for that. <laughs> no, cause just, I mean, could plug them and kept, kept riding the tires for quite a while, but yeah, it's a lot more exposed carcass. If you're trying to create a lightweight tire for XC racing, it's a balance of that lightweight and durability. And so we're going to hold you to this prediction that we're not going to be r- racing 2.8. Uh, so that's good. So then what about gravel? Cause it could be similar. I, I had a guy stop me and just basically like yelling at me about gravel and like, you need to run basically mountain bike tire so i don't know what size are we at now 47 or 50 or something uh it's getting up there yeah but so it's that, a balance. do you see people doing that like for yeah. racing i'm talking about like unbound are people going to ride 50s um i think that you start to get some trade-offs there as well i think like 40 to 45 i see kind of a, a sweet spot um so you do think it's going to come up from everyone running 38 to 40 Depends. Depends on how gravel racing goes. I mean, mm. if it goes down the way of like, like grim gravel, like SBT, but if it incorporates what these bikes can, um, are capable of a bit more technical terrain, uh, I just, it depends on, yeah, for me riding, just riding. Um, I started, I rode with some like 45s and the heavier 60 TPI construction, um, with some push core and it just, starts to limit the speed and enjoyment on the trail just starts to get pretty dead and heavy and not as fun commuting on the smooth pavement surfaces so the sweet spot for me is either like a 40 with a insert or like a nicer 45 c construction um and yeah there's some really nice supple bigger tires but again it's like that balance of durability and depends on your train and how Okay. smooth the rocks and um, roads are the other thing this man on the fat bike trail was yelling at me about was that at leadville 
why why don't people do them on gravel bikes and i was like well i mean people have done it but i mean i don't know so what do you think now with this big super series thing that's happening uh we'll leave that as an aside we know you've had your trouble there um what do you think like do you think that we'll see more people pushing to make gravel bikes work well i know cory cory wallace did uh he broke my record broke it took it last year you did it on drop bars no, no. Oh. I, I guess he took the Canadian drop okay. record, but how, okay. how abs- I had the Canadian record, which you love. I know. Okay. Yeah. Well, well Cor- Corey was riding it on mountain bike tires on drop bars with okay. a suspension fork. So definitely a bit of a hybrid. Uh, for sure, these bikes are incredibly capable. I mean, I did some, I've done some crazy rides, whether from a performance aspect, it's still borderline. I mean, I feel like I could probably race the otter my gravel bike but uh, i'll probably do it on the mountain bike just uh, mm-hmm. for the performance aspect well but, and, and hash that out more like it's because of the climbing and just the descending speed uh and, and then there are some rocks like what's why why and then i guess that you're gonna be i guess why why Ladville? <laughs> why, why can't people race the gravel bike as fast well the huge benefit i mean is the aero position on drop handlebars and that's what like i did the cocapelli trail uh which is 10 and a half hour for me kind of more most people have done it on a mountain bike and the huge benefit of the drop bar bike was just you're in the drops in a really comfortable aero position and so that's where it'd be a huge benefit in a lot of sections i haven't ridden all of leadville but it would be huge yeah people don't talk about all the wide open <laughs> flat sections but there's a lot but i rode columbine uh, I think it's Columbine, the big climb up and yep. down last year when I was out uh, watching uh, my drinking buddy do it. And it depends on your skill level. Like I could do that descent. I'd be losing time, but depend on your skill level and comfort on drop bars, drop bars are going to definitely either lose time or have a lot more stress and tension in the body. So depends on your skill level. And like Sea Otter, I could ride it, no problem, but riding on the limit, and speed keeping up on certain sections and with the competition i'm probably lose a bit of time and energy and can make it up for sure in certain sections and same thing like i've ridden we talked about the super lightweight mountain bike tires like the max lights that i've raced at at sea otter and on a long race where the pace was moderated more i could could hang and the advantages would would pay off but i'm still thinking about it for sea otter but we did sea otter Last time it was only an hour 15 race. So the pace was really high. I run the lightweight tires and the, just the pace was too aggressive in the single track for me to stay with the lead group efficiently. And there wasn't enough, uh, time on the roads to like, for that, the benefit of those fast tires to pay off. So it's just kind of weighing the competition, how fast the pace is going to be in certain sections of the course and whether or not I can, you can roll back on efficiently with like gravel bike or where you can take advantage um hmm. bit of a debate but yeah okay all right anything else as far as predictions with tires or or what we'll see in racing this year or or teasers about what you're thinking i don't know it's there's a lot of nice bikes and nice tires i mean i think yeah i think that the gravel tires are kind of still evolving finding that that sweet spot for well, gravel bikes in general, mm-hmm. what, where the ra- where the racing's going and uh, what the events are going to look like and what 
equipment is best suited for that, whether it's going to go down the, the route of just road racing on gravel bikes, or it's going to incorporate more technical, fun, challenging sections. And I'll determine how the, some of the tires will evolve in selection equipment selection. And I guess that's with gravel. It makes sense, right? Like, I mean, it's no different in mountain biking. There's even in the world cup series, there's enough, so much variation that you're running, you know, a completely different bike and different tires uh, across the series. Right. Yeah. And I think mountain bikes definitions kind of evolved. I mean, on the mountain bike side, the bikes have gotten much more capable. And I think that's where, yeah, the tire technologies had to kind of evolve to keep up with the capabilities of the XC bikes these days. And that's what we're seeing in, in gravel bikes. The capabilities are really escalating on what you can do on these bikes with uh, new tires, widths, inserts, ergonomics on the brakes and a bit of suspension coming in now. And yeah, it's just all the, the weak link, what's uh, holding you back from a performance perspective. And then maintaining those qualities like on the gravel bike is still being able, it's making the bike still enjoyable to roll around quickly on pavement and commuting to the trails it's still being capable off-road and right how to nail that bandwidth of what you want to ride on <laughs> do it all just give me one bike to do it all <laughs> luckily i don't have to choose but yeah there's right. some pretty impressive bikes i mean you can ride all this stuff on any bike but yeah it's kind of maximizing performance which is a fun port hmm. cool well, thank you, Jeff. I think that's good. It made me feel I got to get onto this Kush course stuff and give it a try, but I thought I'd, I'd ask you now that you've done all the testing, I'll just go and get what you use and we'll go from there. Uh, cool. We'll link to all your socials. I saw you just gave an update. What's the next race for you? You're just off the cactus cup and where are you headed next? Out to Moab rocks. Yeah. Another fun XC ish stage race out there. So mm. yeah. Battling out with a couple Young kids, DeVos and Bryn Lang and Stetna is going to be out there, which should be pretty interesting to see how he does on the mountain bike train. Right, right. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, well, sea, that's Sea Otter, yeah. When's Sea Otter usual? Like sort of that 26th, like the end of April, I guess, right? It's early. So yeah, back to back, finish Moab and then straight back out to California to for Sea Otter weekend after. Cool. Alrighty. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing that wisdom and all your testing and stuff like that. Hopefully that'll be helpful for folks. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.